Hi and welcome to the podcast, you're having tea with Alice. Thanks for sticking around uh, listening to this after we got through episode 40 and episode 40 was a bit of an epic thing where I put up put up a podcast but I was, the sound quality wasn't good so I took it down and re-recorded it and put it up without the intro and then I took it down and put it back up again. So the file that's up now, uh, if you have a bad copy, you can delete it and re-upload and the file that's up now should be top-notch, at least uh, not awful. <laughs> uh, but these things happen when things are complicated in the real world and I think I'm getting better at podcasting just generally. It's a, a learning process and I'm glad you're on it with me. I've had some really nice feedback over the last couple of weeks, including from Peter Langstaff, who I met after my show, uh, which was really fun. It was really fun. The people who were with me said I could have been mistaken for the fan because I was so excited to meet someone from the podcast. I gave him a big hug and was very enthusiastically asking him things about his life, <laughs> which I think probably took away my cool factor a little bit. But it makes me very happy and excited to feel like people are listening and responding and engaging with what I say. It's, it's cool. I think you're cool. Maybe, maybe I'm fans of you. Anyway, uh, if you do want to say hello, uh, you can email me on alicerfraser at gmail.com. I've had a couple of cool responses to the TEDx talk that I gave, including one woman who said she really liked what I was saying about uh, body image stuff, but that I should dress more girly on stage because it would make my message more powerful. So that was an interesting interaction. I put it up on my blog because it was... Uh, it made me react in so many ways. I think I came across with a fairly even-handed line in response, given that part of my reaction was just blind rage and the other part was like, ugh, do we have to have this conversation again? And the other part was like, yes, maybe you're right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. The person who I'm talking to this week is Seton K. Smith, who's a fellow comedian, really cool guy. He's a writer, he's a broadcaster, he's a filmmaker. And he just gets stuff done, which I admire. I admire just getting stuff done, and I also admire the quality of his content. So today I was recording this thing called Lost Pilots for FBI Radio. He does it every Sunday. It comes out, 10-minute pilots, fake pilots, for shows that never got made, and I got to do silly accents, which I really enjoy doing. Um, I like silly comedy much more than would be indicated by the comedy that I write. I haven't written sketch comedy for a while and I think that's where my silliness really comes out. You wouldn't think uh, necessarily that my big kind of fundamental comedy influences were Monty Python and the Marx Brothers, but I do like a pie-in-the-face gag. It makes me very happy. There's a sketch that I did once uh, for the Sydney University Law Review. I think it's up online. It's called Clown Funeral. It, was a, it was, wasn't, I don't think it was a high-quality sketch, but I really, really enjoyed it because I got to get a pie in the face. And there's something extremely, I don't know, old-school funny about that. Also just people falling over and stuff in a comedy way. So I spoke to Seton. Uh, I think the conversation was interesting other than a brief period where we talk about jogging. 
I've left that in because maybe you're interested in jogging. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt for the jogging fans. Uh, anyone else might just want to skip that two or three minutes or fast forward them or play at a double speed so then it sounds uh, silly and funny, maybe. I don't know if that's how it works. Chipmunks having a conversation about jogging. But that was it. Um, that's all I had to say for this week. Let me know if you'd like me to talk to anyone in particular or if you'd like me to cover any topic in particular or if you want to put some money into my Patreon. I've kind of got back on board with that. Uh, not necessarily because I think this is worth a certain amount of money a week, but maybe if you want a copy of Everyone's a Winner, then you can email me at alicerfraser at gmail.com and then if after you've listened to it you think it's worth money, then you could put money in the Patreon. And if you think it's worth nothing and you've wasted hours of my life, you're totally welcome to email me and ask for a refund of the money that you didn't pay. I'll figure something out. All right, I'm going to put this up now and stop rambling. Uh, this is Seton K. Smith having tea with Alice. should necessarily always be comfortable, but I'm not here to make you feel stupid. Sure, that'd be good. Or to like ruin your reputation. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm very non-confrontational as a person. Really? Me too. So, yeah. You just mm. don't want people to hunt you down and troll? Well, just, I, you know, I, I think a lot, of, a lot of the time things don't need to be uncomfortable. I don't know, I haven't had much experience with uncomfortable conversations. You know, I, I sort of steer away from them most times. So what do you do if you're in, in a situation that you can't resolve? I generally resolve them. They generally get resolved. So for example, like if you're in a friendship or a business situation with somebody and there's a problem, will you address it or will you just kind of... the lawyers involved. <laughs> so you're, you're like confrontational by, by uh, proxy. No, no, I mean, just like most things generally, do, most things does have, do have a, a, a simple resolution which doesn't need to get into the realms of, like most things you can diplomatically resolve without getting into some kind of like argument or, you know, things which, you know, put people down or, or sort of, you know, attack or anything. You know, you can generally find a resolution in a peaceful way most times, I find, in my personal life. See, I was brought up in that way very much. Like, being brought up Buddhist, it's all about your reaction to something rather than what's necessarily going on. And if you can kind of take it, then you should. Mm. If there's a situation that's making you feel bad or weird, then it's you kind of deal with your reaction rather than necessarily with the situation. Yeah. But as I've grown up, I've started to become a little bit more... A little bit more of an advocate for my own interests. Right, right. But like, if, so for example, if you're in a business situation, your partner's doing something really annoying, your business partner, 
will you say, can we have a conversation about this, or will you just kind of subtly try to steer them away from the annoying behaviour? It depends what they what they do. And I mean, like if I'm close with someone, like a business, if I was you know have a business partner, then I would be at a certain level of closeness where I would feel comfortable saying that I didn't enjoy the, the annoying thing they were doing. Yeah. And that you know, I guess that is confrontational to a degree, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't get angry, you know, you'd resolve it in a sort of, uh, do you mind not whistling all the time? Yes. Sort of thing. Excuse me, would you mind not embezzling our funds? It's yeah, well that's when you get the lawyers involved. That's true. Uh, yeah, that's one of the reasons why law suited me so badly. Because you had to be confrontational in law? Well, because people, I mean, even if you're just trying to do a deal, even if you're not in the kind of litigation or adversarial side of it, everyone's sort of so aggressive. And, um, you know, everyone pretends that it's... Everyone is just sort of st storming around being bossy. Right. Discrediting witnesses. Yeah, and it was all about status and everyone was really, like, it was just... Yeah, the way they tried to teach you to be better was by making you feel terrible about what you were doing. Right. Well, rather How does that than, work? Yeah, it was, a, it was a, weird, a weird environment. But I'm not sure if that's all corporate environments or if that's... I haven't had much experience in corporate environments, so I couldn't couldn't tell you that. No, you sort of started all your own things. So you're quite um, proactive. Yes. About doing things creatively, particularly. I try to be. And that's normally not always, but often associated with a kind of an aggression. Right. Well, I definitely try not to be aggressive. I don't think I'm aggressive. Um, I, when I'm proactive, and I sort of you know submit things and I spend a lot of time working on things, but I wouldn't say. I was. I would be scrambling mm -hmm. over over people or like scrambling for something. You're not stabbing a kid in the knee to get no. in front. No. No. Okay. No. Um, I would never do that. Not in the knee. No. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I you know I, I do try and be proactive. I do try and put myself forward for a lot of things, but never. I wouldn't do it if it meant I had to put someone else out. Yeah. So I wouldn't, yeah. But, but only he, one he, person can win. But that's if the, in any if situation, everything's a competition. That's what they say. But um, you know, there's lots of there's no there's no one prize. No. So no one's ever going to win life. Well, that's a good, yeah. That's one of the things that I've come up against a couple of times with comedy, where I think the more good comedy there is out there, the oh, better yeah. it is for everyone. It, it builds the scene up. Like, you hear about people who start rooms, who get a kind of a tap on the shoulder from a room saying, you're on my turf, another room, and you just think, no, that's, it's not how it works. Yeah, if you it's, get more people to go to comedy in one venue, then there'll be more people going to comedy overall. You build up the scene, you need more venues, you need more comedians, you need more rooms, and just, that's how things grow. Yeah. It's like a strawberry saying to another strawberry, you're using my soil nutrients, but if there's only one strawberry, no one's going to buy a punnet. No, you need uh, economies of scale. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, you're interested in science and stuff, as to well degree, as creativity. Yeah. Not in any kind of professional way, just in a general interest, sort of science and like future and, and like, like, I'm interested in I, the ideas of science more than the application of science. So if you could, like, as a philosopher, as sort of science fiction stuff, are you interested yeah, in that? Yeah, science as a way of understanding psyche, I guess, in terms of like using science fiction to address questions of philosophy, that sort of thing. I'm interested in science in that regard, like science like, like immortality, science like singularity, you know, doomsday things. And if you could download your brain into a computer, 
Would you? No. Ooh, tell me why not. Because what would be the point? I don't understand what the point would be to live on a computer forever and, you know, to what end? What does, like, what would be the point? You know, the, the fact that life has a finite um, time period sort of gives it meaning, whereas if you were, if you were just ongoing forever, um, you know, getting your updates, whatever, whatever, you, whatever living on a computer is, like, where would, it's like if you, if you had read every single book in the world, it has, there's no meaning anymore, yeah, and the fact that there's always new ideas and new books being made means that there is still a reason to read them. Yeah. I don't know if that makes, if that's the right analogy. For me, I think it's like, I just don't think, again, this is kind of my upbringing, but I don't think there's any essence of humanity that is um, separable from the human condition. So, like, for example, they're finding out more and more about how depression and mood is dictated by your gut biome. Right. Like, uh, the way that people identify themselves, things that you would think of as personality traits are dictated by, yeah, a mix of hormones and upbringing and, like, whether it's sunny today, people spend more money on certain kinds of days and with Mm. certain smells and, like, if you take all that away, what is really left other than some sort of pretty, actually stupid... Like, there's not... Yeah. I don't there's know. just analysis. Just analysis, and computers can do that better than we can anyway. Yeah. So, I take it you wouldn't, you wouldn't be interested in singularity? Is that the right word? Singularity is when uh, computers themselves achieve sort of a consciousness, right. I think. Okay. Uh, where, where, yeah. Well, I think I'd be interested in it, but I don't think I would necessarily... I just don't think it would be possible. Right, so you, you, you wouldn't do it because you don't think it's something that's achievable, not from a philosophical standpoint. But also because of the idea of kind of... The, the sense that I have of me as myself is an interestingly weird one because I understand that it's partly fictional. Right. You know, like every memory that we have is selective and then every time we take out a memory and remember it we rewrite it and put it back yeah so you know they, they find more and more about that with more and more about that every time they do these court cases where they kind of try to get people to recall things and it's so easy to rewrite a memory um that it's sort of who i was five or six years ago can vaguely remember that person, but they had completely different motivations. Yeah. And there's not a lot that I think is the same. Do you think you'd like yourself six years ago if you met your six-year-old, six-year-ago self? I think I was a much better person. Really? <laughs> you got no. worse? I, I don't know. I think I was more, um, certainly I was more enthusiastic about things. I was probably shyer and less confrontational, less funny. Right, you become battle-hardened. A little bit, maybe. I don't know. Certainly five or six years ago, I was having a much better time in my life. Right. So that's, a, that's again, a different thing. You think you'd be jealous of yeah, your like, sister? Yeah, And I was also, like, insanely running marathons all the time. Right. You know, I was very fit. But you're still fit. You're still I'm strong now. Right, but less marathony. More, less marathon fit and more just more like functional. Functional fit, I think. 
Yeah, I don't know. You're a fit person. You jog a lot. Yes, I, I used to jog more, um, but I've sort of I haven't jogged for about uh, three months now. I used to jog almost every day. What's stopped you? And what was your motivation originally for jogging? And what have you replaced it with? Well, I used to jog, like I used to do exercise from a purely vanity point when I was at uni, but also from a from a sports point. So I used to, I used to play rugby at uni, and so I needed to be You're fit for that. Way not big enough to play rugby. I was a forward. You bullshit. It's true. I was the number eight. This is not true. What true. kind of rugby was, team was this? Uni rugby, but I was heavier then. I was I was about 90, 90 kilos. Now I'm like seventy two. I don't understand how that would like. I just can't imagine that shape on me. <laughs> like, um, well, you know, and I was, you know, keen. I mm. was eager, so I was, you know, quite happy to run after the ball and bang into people. Yeah. Uh, so I enjoyed I enjoyed that, and you know, you go to uni. I went to uni in Lismore, so I was away from home. So it was a good, you know, I lived on college, so I met lots of people there, but it was also a good social thing to mm. play rugby. But yeah, so I, I used to exercise and go to the gym and stuff for that, but also from a vanity point. Um, growing up, I was a bit chubby. I used to eat a lot of, eat a lot of cakes. Um, As a high five, by the way. <laughs> not a slap. Um, but yeah, so I, yeah, and so I sort of really didn't want to be chubby again. And so I did that, but now I just, I just, so then I sort of just enjoyed it. And it was good thinking time, mm. like meditative. Uh, but yeah, just recently I haven't done it so much just because of time. You know, I'm in a, I'm in geographically in a location now where it doesn't make sense to run to work, which yeah. is what I used to do every day. Yeah. And because I don't do that, I get home from work and I'm not in the mood to mm. jog, so I just don't jog. Yeah. Um, do you find that you have an energy that you used to put into jogging that you've displaced to something else? I do more reading now because mm. I'm on the bus mm. in the morning, so I enjoy that. That was when I got a bicycle. That was one of the things I missed most was that I wasn't catching public transport, so I, I never made the time to read because um, I sort of only ever read on public transport. Mm. So now I'm finding I'm reading more, but I'm also reading just at home for leisure as well now, which is good because I've gotten to that habit. What do you read? Uh, I've been reading a lot of comedian autobiographies lately, and um, to tell you how to live. No, just fascinating. Just people who sort of, you know, do things that I enjoy doing, so they're interesting. You know, they they live lives which I'm interested in, mm. so it makes sense to read, and they're funny. I would never read a biography on a comedian written by somebody else. I wouldn't see the point in that, because if I want to know about their life, their lives, I can look them up on Wikipedia. Yeah. But if you want to, you know. Connect know, like, with their Exactly. Voice. It's the way they tell the story as well as the story itself, which is interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm not super keen on non-fiction. Right. I like, I like escaping into a book. Okay, it's interesting because I'm the opposite. I'm, I'm, I often read non-fiction because I feel, I don't know, I feel like it, at least I'm learning something as well. Whereas yeah. if I were only read fiction, then it's like all the things I'm learning are somebody else's ideas. Yeah. I can't sort of, it's hard to... You don't engage with them in like a critical way? You just get absorbed by them or...? Yeah, no, I just enjoy it. I'm just fascinated. I just enjoy reading about their lives. Um, but I do try and read a bit of fiction as well. That's cool. I don't know if that last section will be very interesting. <laughs> Talking about jogging always is weird. It, it's a weird thing. 
Do you have any uh, other futurism things that you're super interested in? Uh, last year I did the show, um, the Apocalypse show, because mm -hmm. I was fascinated by the, the idea of an apocalypse. Mm. Um, and I sort of read a lot of books about all the different ways that the world could come to an end. In and that was realistic very, ways? Yeah, realistic ways, which was very fascinating. Scary? Um, scary because they were sort of achievable mm -hmm. as a human race. We could get there if we, if we really put our minds to it. Yeah. Things like um, nano, nanobots, self-replicating nanobots, which yeah. is basically the idea that you make a machine which then recreates itself and uses up resources to recreate itself. So eventually you run out of resources because they're all these machines and there are just so many machines because they just keep making themselves yeah. and that basically turns the world into grey goo because all the resources are gone and there's just all these machines that then go from planet to planet using up resources. Wait, 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 how do they, how do they after they've uh, replicated themselves by killing our planet, how do they then get interstellar? Well they evolve, they need, they seek out other resources, like they need to, to survive, to continue doing their life function, which is recreating themselves. Yeah. They have to find more resources, so they just eventually evolve in ways that machines can, because they don't need things like air, so, you know, I don't think it's so crazy that a, a phone, if it had its own conscience, could make itself into a rocket and then fly. Do you know what I mean? I don't think that's... I do. <laughs> really? I mean, obviously not the phones we have now, but the idea that a machine could say, okay, I don't have, any, I don't have enough resources here, I need to get over there. How am I going to do that? I need to make some kind of thruster thing to get off the ground, okay? I'll make... Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. If a human can engineer a machine to do something like that, why can't a machine that is, you know, analytical and has its own sort I of I guess because it doesn't have the hormonal urge, maybe. But I think it does because if... We do a lot one, of things that are non-evolutionary as well. Sure, but a machine's only... Like, if the machine's only purpose is to sustain its existence, then it's going to achieve that. If it's, that's what it's going to put all of its mind power to, achieving uh, prolonged existence. And so I think it would be able to... But, okay, how about this? So this is the phone, right? Yes. You look at your phone now, and uh, it's got programmed obsolescence. Like, phones are programmed to die in three years. They're not, yeah. provi they're not programmed to want to live forever because it's not... Like, the people who are building phones are not building phones to last forever. They're not building stockings to last forever. Yeah. There's, like, there's no survival instinct in a phone. In fact, no. it's counterproductive for its creator to... Of course, of course, but that's the, that's, that's the problem, is that it's not the original creator that sets the new boundaries, because if these things keep making themselves, it's like humans, you know, we would evolve slightly and slightly and slightly to, to live longer, to do things better. A machine that builds itself, if it's going to, you know, you weed out your, your problems. Um, and I think if humans could create something which can last forever, Mm. If they wanted to, obviously it's not in their interest to. Why couldn't a machine do that if it had all the wits and the ability of, uh, you know, of a scientist in a machine form? Mm, yeah, I get it. I think it might just get really good at advertising to us. But if that's what it, it doesn't want to sell us things, is that what the machine's purpose is? I guess it depends. Like you've got the kind of Asimov thing where you you have rules that dictate the behaviour of machines generally, and, and the priorities of machines, I think it would be very difficult 
to program an evolutionary urge in. Yeah, but why wouldn't a machine, if a machine has all the functions of a human apart from evolution, apart from survival, but survival why would that grow is that? so. Um, Survival, the survival instinct is actually a really stupid instinct. It's a really base instinct. And it's often the actions that we take to ensure survival are really gut reactions, sex and violence and stuff like that. Those are things that are, I would say, programmed into us, but then I think I'm feeding your argument. But they're kind of things that override our logic. And machines are, above anything else, logical. It is illogical to do a lot of the things that we do. But is it, would it be, for the machine, is it illogical, like is it logical to then to have that programmed obsolescence? Is it logical that you say, okay, three years is up, I'm not going to exist anymore? Well, you, you've, uh, you've presumed or projected the urge for continued existence, which not everything has. You have the urge to procreate, that's sure, to continue on. But like, I think machines can die in the in the comfortable assurance that there'll be a 2.0 coming along. Yeah, and they don't really need to. That's worry. true. It does rely on the idea that a machine would want to live. Yeah, and I don't know that they do. Certainly, my phones seem to want to commit suicide a lot. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> it's what's scary is that you know this is a this is a zany idea from a while ago. Yeah. But now, of course, 3D printers. Um, made to print themselves, and so they can, you know, make things which they need to repair themselves. And I think they use that in space technology. Um, They have self-repairing bits on spaceships. That's very cool. It's very cool, but but, um, you know, you may think it's crazy, but I think it's not so crazy to think that one day, you know, a long time, that machines could get to a, a point. And if you know, if we downloaded ourselves onto a computer then the human urge to survive would be there. And who knows? But then I'm, this is why my argument against the downloading the self into the computer is I just don't think that that would necessarily carry over because yeah. I do think that's partly driven by your glands. Yeah, of course, of course. Glands are powerful things. Yeah, um, it's true. But what, have you done anything really, really, really stupid in your life? I'm sure I have. That was just driven by hormones? Um, other than playing rugby. Other than playing rugby, I guess I, I, nothing that had a, a big enough impact to make me remember it. But uh, I'm sure just on a regular basis, you know, things like dancing, things like you know, saying maybe perhaps the wrong thing or perhaps the right thing, you know, driven by hormones and perhaps not the most logical thing to, to do, but, you know, you do them anyway. Yeah, you do. All right, um, we will wrap this up relatively soon. Have you got anything? This will go out today. Have you got anything that you want to plug? Uh, Lost Pilots. Lost uh, Pilots. Which, which Alice was just on a recording of is on Sundays at 9.45 a.m. on FBI Radio, part of the weekend overhang. So what is Lost Pilots? Lost Pilots is a 10-minute radio drama, um, comedy, comedy radio drama, and it's sort of each, the idea is that they're lost pilots, so each episode is the pilot of a series that didn't quite make it to series. So they're all different genres and different, different ideas. Um, and each week there's like a 10 minute one. They go up on iTunes and they're all up there to download. And so do you, because they're pilots that didn't get picked up, do you deliberately build flaws into them? 
No, no. I, I, some of them are written purely to be one episode, and some of them do have a, a narrative which would extend beyond the pilot, uh, just because that's the way I like worked it out for the pilot to work. Yeah. Um, so I, I, they're definitely not intentionally lost pilots. They're, they're you know, ideas for shows that some of them more would be better than others. But are you secretly series. hoping that one of them will get picked up as an actual radio show? Um, no, or are you just happy with that? I just no, I just enjoy writing them, and the fact that they are all different means it's a lot of fun to sort of play with different different genres, and you know, it's great to have a, a place where they can be aired. It's also a lot easier to have a good idea than it is to do a really long-running good series. That's true. There's less work involved. Like pilots are often the best iteration yeah. of something, where you see all the potential and all of the best, like particularly with sketch shows and things, you see the best. Well, they're designed the to, to make you want more. Yeah. Whereas the other the other episodes aren't necessarily. I mean, they should be, and sometimes they are, but not always. Do you they're, get any feedback from people of like, oh, I'd like to see more of that? Um, only one episode sort of had a, a bit more feedback than the others. What was that? Uh, that was Filch. It was about a detective who his his cat was stolen, and so his mind wasn't on the job, so he couldn't concentrate on solving the murder because he was thinking about his lost cat. And that one sort of got a bit more feedback online than the others. Why? Because of cats. Cats are being drawn online. It was a strong. It was a strong episode. I feel yeah. it was. Um, it it was to a form. So it was structurally a lot, you know, a lot better than perhaps some of the others. And it was an idea which I had mapped out a whole bunch of episodes. So it had a lot more sort of storylines, which like dramatically and plot wise were perhaps a lot more filmed yeah. than, than some of the others, which were just more comedy dramas rather than an actual story. Yeah. Okay. And it's also nice, always, like, there's an energy about a new idea. Yes, yeah. It's sort of magical. It's, it's like how babies are kind of magical. <laughs> right, before you get sick of them. Yeah, well, I don't know. Have you ever met a baby? Ah, uh, yes, I have. Yeah, there's sort of magic about babies. You can't, it's very hard to meet a baby and be in a bad mood. Yeah. They sort yeah. of they exude some sort of weird Calming thing. Calming agent. Yeah. I don't know, I'm, I'm pretty pro-babies. Yeah, more babies. Well, no, no, a reasonable number of babies yeah. in the That's world. That's not crazy. I don't necessarily want more babies to be born. I just want more babies to kind of come into my sphere of engagement. Right, you can meet them every now like and again. shake the hands of babies and, and touch their noses and say boop. Right. <laughs> the level of engagement I'm up with at the moment. That's the platform you're running on. Well, my brother recently got married, so I'm kind of campaigning. Is there a baby for, in the works? I'm campaigning for him to to have a baby. Yeah, right. How's that going? Oh well, his wife's in England, so unless he's sending her vials of fluids in the mail, I don't. <laughs> I don't think you can do that anymore. You're not allowed. It's no. terrorism. Is it terrorism? Germ warfare or Germ something. Germ warfare. Jeer's warfare, am I right? Yeah, that's right. Oh, right, that was <laughs> bad. All right, um, so Lost Pilots on FBI Radio, also on the internet, iTunes. Do you have a website? Um, not really. I do, just my personal website. Yeah. But I don't think I've updated it with Lost Pilots yet. Okay. Uh, and you write for The Roast. That's right. On ABC2 in Australia. 
Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Tea with Alice.